0: Thank you for joining us today on the Reach Community Church Podcast. We hope this week's message encourages and blesses you as we dive into God's Word together. Our mission at Reach is to see lives changed by Christ together in community by loving God, loving people, and reaching our world. We'd love to have you join us next Sunday. You can learn more about our mission at ReachCommunityChurch.com. Good morning. Good morning. Um, well, just like Deegan said, if you've not met me, my name is Heath. I'm the lead pastor here at Reach. Uh, we have been preaching through James, verse by verse, and we will continue to do so to the beginning of August, um, so week by week. So you know, I'll give you your homework for next week so you can write this down. So next week... Um, is James two fourteen through 26. You don't want to miss that one. I will say the one thing that you will get out of James, if you get out of James unscathed, meaning like, I'm good, something's wrong. Something's wrong. You're lying to yourself. Um, so it should be normal that, in today's no exception, when you hear the word that things go, mm, I could do better, I could do better. Um, not to beat yourself up, not to, you know, throw, um, you know, like, oh, I'm the worst person in the world, but it should be like going by God's grace. I'm going to work on that. That's what this should come from. And if, like I said, if you get the other side of this and be like hundred percent, hundred percent, let's have a conversation. Cause one of two things have happened. Um, you are lying to yourself. One, probably the more obvious choice, or you have figured out something that you need to teach me. And I'm not above, I'm not above anyone in this room, um, having something figured out that I don't. Um, and that's okay. So today we continue our journey through James. Each week, um, James will confront us with the practicality of walking out our faith. Um, remember this line. We only believe as much of the Bible as we put into practice. Let that just sink in. Not as much of the Bible you've memorized or as much of the Bible that you know and you can talk about, but only the pieces of the Bible that you're willing to, one, know, and two, walk out, do you really believe? Which sounds like, oh, really? Um, I'm reading another book uh, with a group of guys on (laughs) godly character, and man, if you just want to just like, (laughs) it's like a double whammy, (laughs) because like, I've got James, be like, huh? Huh? And I've got this other book talking about godly character. Huh? Oh, you think you think you're doing great? Um, no, um, but the the work is like, what can we do? So um, James is meant to be a reminder that we need to put in practice what we preach. Um, today's verses in James two will remind us that judging people by what you see externally is not the way of a follower. Of Jesus. Jesus lived this throughout his ministry, you see this, he got in so much trouble, mocked and ridiculed by who he associated with, just had dinner with, let be near him, let wipe his feet off. He got judged like if he was really a prophet, he would know who's touching his feet and he would say, don't do that. Well, that wasn't Jesus. Um, Jesus also in the choosing of his disciples made a judgment because none of the other modern day rabbis would go like top of the list. I'm getting like all the people that Jesus chose from weren't on anybody else's list. Like there weren't the, uh, there weren't other rabbis in the town go like, Oh man, they got Peter. Oh, they got Matthew, the tax collector. I was about to get that one. All the zealot who literally wants to kill people. To um, bring about to God's glory and grace, want that guy to? No! Just the fact that Jesus saw through the external to what potentially was living inside of other people is what we're doing today. Here's another thing for you for all of those blood-bought children of Jesus that are in this room. Remember this. If Jesus judged only on outward appearances, would he have picked you? Nope. He wouldn't have picked me. (laughs) I question all the time, like, why, Lord? Why? Why do you even want me? Uh, Especially when I got saved when I was 18, I wasn't living that good life. I wasn't like, Hey, you know, like I'm finally clean enough for Jesus to scoop me out of the water and go, look at this catch I got. It's more like a dead, smelly fish. He's like, I'm going to do something with this one. <laughs> Just watch out. You may not see it, but I'm going to do something. So here's my phrase um, that we're going to talk about. Um, we're, my one thing is faith over favoritism. So before we get into the word, let's pray because we want to invite the Holy Spirit to do what only he can do in and through his word. So let's pray. Father, this is your word and your word was meant to change us and to ruffle our feathers and to challenge ways that we're living that are contrary to who we say you are. So, Lord, I pray that You would allow Your Word to split bone and marrow, that You would have it divide soul and spirit, that You would have it even soften hardened places of our hearts where we're living contrary to what we say we believe. And so, Lord, as we uh, read Your Word and hear it, as we think about it and we allow it to uh, rest on us, Lord, I pray that it would exert the right amount of pressure bring change to us. So we welcome you into these moments. We welcome you and your word into our ears and into our hearts. Um, We just thank you that even right now uh, your presence is here. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So for those that are missed, I I just want to hit this again. This will get shorter and shorter every week that we're going on. So don't feel like, man, he's just... Okay, James... Uh, was the half brother of Jesus. Uh, James did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah before he rose from the dead. Before that, he and his family tried to come to Jesus, at least on one occasion that was recorded, and take him away for safekeeping in a padded room. Um, that was, I added a little bit to that, but they came to take him away. Um, so he was not there like, Messiah, my brother's the Messiah. He was like, uh, he can do some cool things, but I'm not sure. But when Jesus came out of the grave, and this is what we should realize, without the resurrection there is no hope for us, there, if, if, if tomorrow they can prove that the resurrection never happened, there is no hope for us, none, because without the resurrection there is no hope for us and who we believe. But when Jesus came out of the grave, and I'm sure his brother was close enough to witness what happened to him, because he wasn't a disciple per se. He was afraid of getting taken in or also put on a cross. And I'm sure he was witnessing his death, saw it. And then Jesus appeared to him. It changes everything. When Jesus shows up, It changes everything. James became one of the leaders of the churches in Jerusalem. Some of the biggest decisions that were made throughout Acts, James, I think I said Jesus just a second ago, James was the leader of it. He was leading the discussion after Peter went on his missionary journey. He was there leading the church up until he was murdered for his belief. So the first week we talked about, and if you've missed any of these, they're on our website. You can watch them or listen to them. Um, the first week, and I think you need to know this, if you've ever gone through suffering or plan to go through it in the future, we need to understand that Jesus, through James, told us to count it all joy. How many people are just like, yep, every day I'm counting it joy. Today I got up and my body hurts, and like I, the first thing I thought was like, love you Jesus. Love you. Look at that. Like, oh, but it's joy. And then when people persecute you and people defraud you and do things, you're like, joy. No. But it's something that we have to live in and with because, hear this, and we got to get this. Without this thought that He's in control of what's going on in my life and is bringing me to His by His will and to His purpose, to the good things that He wants out of me, will never get to the place of being whole and complete, lacking in nothing. If you're sitting there going, man, I'm lacking a lot, and I do not feel whole and complete, then say, hello, suffering. That was week one. That was week one. You can go back and listen to it. Uh, And then last week we talked about this idea which will really permeate everything else because... If it was the the idea of it was doers of the word, we, we cannot deceive ourselves and listen to it only. Um, we have to walk it out. I read a, a quote this week that uh, it's always fun. After I preach something, I find a great illustration or something that would have worked. It always works out that way. And I don't remember who quoted this, but it says our Bibles should be covered with shoe leather, with the reality that our Bible's should be walked out we should be living out the bible through what we do in how we live um and today i want you to catch the importance of this being where it's at because there's lots of other things if you're like man ain't got me so far hey gossip's coming for those that are like oh i heard this juicy detail it's coming So just be prepared. I'm not saying get all your gossip out right now, but when the word hits you, you better be ready. Maybe not. Maybe you need to stop gossiping so it doesn't hit you so hard when it comes. But it's coming. There's all of these. Next week, you do not want to miss next week. Um, Faith without works, man, that's just the deep end of the pool. Be here. Um, But notice that this is now. And this may seem, and we're going to deal with this idea it may seem like, oh, what's the big deal? Like, what's the big deal? And the dilemma with most of our world right now is we look at sin, which what we're going to talk about today is sin, we look at sin and go, oh, it's not that big of a deal. Like these other sins are a big deal, but this isn't so bad of a problem. And when we base it on our culture, we may look at ourselves and we're doing good, but when we base it how we're supposed to on our king which is holy, and he asks us to be holy as he is holy, sin is devastating to our world and to those around us. So James 2, starting in verse 1, it's going to be in the screen right here. It says, My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus, the Lord of glory. Faith and favoritism. Hold no partiality, and let me just tell you, and I'm, going to try to, I'm, going to, I'm not just going to go with the illustrations that they've got here, because we're going to talk about rich and poor. That's how he's going to illustrate this point here. But I just want to say this isn't just a rich or poor thing. Man, I'm poor, so like, man, I'm good. Um, this is anything where you watch how they appear. It could be if someone comes in here, and I'm just going to throw, I'm just going to throw this out here. I don't know how you feel about it, but we're coming up to another election next year, and somebody might come in here wearing a Democrat shirt. And for those that are thinking, oh, this Republican church," just wait. I'm going to offend both. I'm going to offend <laughs> both. And you walk in and be like, not going to be friends with him. I'm sure Jesus is not going to save that person. And then they sit down and ignore him. Somebody gave him a welcome bag? Why did they do that? So then the next person comes in here wearing his... Make America great again, hat. Equal opportunity offenders, people. And we place a... In our culture, this is what media is doing. Depending on who you are, the media is telling you to hate the other side. This, I think, is what our... What the ploy of the enemy over our country is to divide us. Because the truth of this... Truth is, there's not much difference between a Republican and a Democrat. Outside of some political ideals, they're, they're living a life just like you are. You probably have a lot more in common than you think you do. But when we place a judgment on some external thing, and I'm not saying there's one good or one bad. Honestly, I think there's flaws in both of those parties. I don't I've said this before. I don't think there's anyone that gets to that place of being elected as president unflawed. Um, and to us to say, man, this is a, an example of Christ. There's not a savior that we vote for <laughs> in the political arena. Okay, I'm just, I'm just throwing out. I'm just throwing it out there. It could be, it could be, depending on your background, it could be race. You could look around, and I don't know if you're watching right now what's going on in France. And some people that have served in the Middle East and other things, you might hold a negative view of a Muslim. Oh, man, that's what's going on in the country, and they, you know, allow blah, blah, blah. And then we interact with someone that looks a certain way and go, oh, no, I don't want to be friends with them. I mean, we're from the South, you know. Black and white issues, I mean, if you've grown up around here, it's kind of not talked about, talked about it, but depending on what's going on in here, you may pass a judgment on somebody based on their color without even understanding what's going on inside of them. It could be, um, I'm just going to throw this out there, it could be a judgment on how people look. In our culture of America, uh, attractiveness is popular. Although, like, nowadays, like, it's all over the place. It's, it's all over the place. Uh, it is not. But, but in our culture, we, we still think this way, like, oh, man, if someone comes in, oh, they're not, you know, they're not as attractive. What does that even mean? It, things are attracted to us only because our culture has told you so. Because if you go into another culture, everything that we do deem as attractive, not the same. Now, you go, you go to a continent in Africa or Asia or India, like the standard of beauty of what they would be like. This is beautiful. Because of our American culture, we think a certain way. And so we pass judgment based on how people look of going, how useful they'll be in the kingdom. And all these things we would never say externally. No one's saying these things. And most of you aren't doing these things either, but it's going on inside of us us. And if we're not careful, out of the overflow of the heart, our mouth will speak. So we have to be cautious. And this is why, right here in this moment, to an early church that is predominantly Jewish, that has in their culture in the synagogue there was seats of honor, and the 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 when you know the wealthy or people that had high status they would get better seats and as as you went out you would get worse and worse seats this is what they're coming out of and and james is telling the early church we cannot be like that and he's going to tell you why see faith and favoritism don't go together this is not a suggestion this isn't like something that god's like hey like guys remember this is early on there's going to be all these other things that he's going to hit and he wants to let you know the beginning of chapter two this isn't okay See, if we or you don't fix this in the church or in your faith journey, you will hinder both of those. Part of what's going to happen in the future of church, this one specifically, will be dependent on this. Because God has people in this city that don't look like you think they should look. God has people in this city that will will be the forerunners of the gospel. And I'm not talking about changing the gospel to fit people. I'm talking about God radically transforming the lives of people that we would look at or read their bumper sticker or see how they drive and go, "Mm Mm-mm, not in my church. Not in my church. See, people aren't meant to stay the same. But you've got to welcome them into a place to be transformed. Uh, Leviticus 19, 15. So this isn't a new idea. You shall, not do, <clears throat> you shall do no injustice in the court. You shall not be partial to the poor and defer to the great, but in righteousness you shall judge your neighbor. So he's saying, use right judgment. See, the Bible all the time, people are like, judge not, lest you be judged. And so some of our Christian culture thinks we should never judge. No, 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 no. It's not what it's saying. It just means we should judge rightly. Most of our judgment, I'm just going to say, probably isn't right. Because it's tampered with all this other stuff. Unless it's just bathed in the presence of God, there is a potential that we are going to use a judgment incorrectly. Do it all the time. You may not know this because I seem like a super nice guy. I am super judgmental. If you drive by me, and you're driving worse than me, I'm just gonna say that. I'm just gonna say it, because some of you've ridden by me and be like, Pastor needs driving lessons. I'm trying to be better. I'm really that is one thing I'm trying to work on, but. It is something that we have to be careful of because God wants us to say right and wrong. But we've got to make sure our hearts are correct so we're not being like a Pharisees that has a right and wrong that's associated to things that aren't even the Bible. See, they had all these extra rules and this is what Jesus confronted with them over and over again because they were judging him based on things that he was doing against the traditions of man. We need to make sure that we know the Bible and that we're judging based on things that the Bible says. But judging, judging, judging with love, compassion, and mercy. Verse 2 says, For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothes and say, come sit in a good place... While you say to the poor man, stand over there. Or, or I love this one, or you can sit at my feet. Could you imagine? Could you imagine people come in and be like, hey, we don't have any good seats left, but you can come sit next to me on the floor. (laughs) Yeah, We'll get you a chair. Or we'll get one of our regulars to get out of their chair so that you can have a chair. Uh, Verse 4, and it says, Have you not then made distinctions among yourself, and become judges with evil thoughts. See, both of these people in this example are people entering into your sanctuary or into your church. You don't know, it, and it doesn't tell us that either one of these are Christian. The assumption is both of these people don't know the Lord, just from what we have in the text. So they're walking in, and how are we going to treat these two people? Judges with evil, with evil thoughts. We were making judgment solely on what we see. See, this is the one thing that they were trying to change in the church. One of the things at the beginning, this is in the first 15 to 20 years of the church being born. And James is like, we've got to deal with this issue. This is a letter that's being circulated to the 12 um, tribes that have been pushed out and basically the idea is this is being sent to all the jewish people that have been pushed out of jerusalem because of persecution and he wants them to know that this isn't acceptable <clears throat> if we're to reach our world then this poison has to be removed from our church it has to be and it doesn't just you know there I, I would love at the end if you want this gone from you stand up or raise your hand and i pray a prayer for you and you never Think this way again. Man, if I ever get that anointing, you watch out. Well, I'm going to be going everywhere. Be like, da, 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 da. You want it? I wish I could just be like, I wish I could touch your forehead and then, and then all the sin nature that you've wrestled with, with decades would just disappear. And you would go, why would I even do that? Why would I even say that word? Why would I even watch that show? Why would I say, think, or do this? I don't have that power. I do not. So what this means, and some people could today get free of this. It does happen. It is, not, it doesn't, it's, it is a miracle, I think, and it does happen. But for the most of us, it will be an effort to discipline your life to work these things out of you. And the only reason you would do this is not so Jesus would look favor, favorably upon you. The only reason you would do this is because you love him so much. That you want to do what he says. Because if you do it the other way, you will begrudgingly do that. I'm supposed to treat you nice, people. Hey, uh. But when we love him so much that our life pours out our desire to look at people like he did. Look, I want, I want the eyes that Jesus showed people that were broken and hurting. Like we all want that and are all grateful that at some point some of us have experienced that. And God wants to use us to be that same for other people. Uh, <clears throat> John seven twenty four. just in case um, you forget that most of what James is doing is quoting his uh, brother. John uh, seven twenty four. it says, Do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. See, the world... Yeah the world judged Jesus through his outward appearance. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Aren't you aren't you the son of that carpenter? Like and they had all of these things that they're like they're totally discounting him because of where he was born. Are we still doing that today? Yes. By what his family socio-economic standard was, oh, you know, like uh Verse 5, it says, listen, see, James is going to get a little soft right here. Listen, my beloved brothers. Has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? See, God has shown us this way. This is the mercy that he's shown us See, remember the church at this time was filled with the poor and persecuted this was not a popular religious group to be a part of this what you know sometimes in the south it's like oh you're a christian good thing we love christians now that i think is waning 20 years ago it's kind of like everybody was de facto you're not a you don't go to church on sunday We had blue laws. I don't know if y'all knew this, if you didn't grow up in the South. We had laws that were just around church. You could not buy alcohol sometimes on Sunday. Sometimes you you couldn't go to, the stores weren't allowed to open until a certain time so everybody could go to church. A lot has changed since then. I will say, going back to the political side, you cannot legislate good behavior. You cannot legislate good behavior. Um, actions it happens here I believe in the church not just specifically here but in church <clears throat> and pretty much everywhere else Jesus um, would not share so Jesus comes on the scene he was not going to share worship with another and if you're reading the one in your Bible you just saw this about three or four days ago where they were coming through and they were doing so much damage to um, the foreign gods, that the silversmiths rose up. They didn't care about Artemis. They didn't care about their deity. They cared about their paycheck. And they were going to eliminate this scourge um, from it. And that's the truth. Uh, Luke 6, verse 20. And he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, this is the beginning of the Beatitudes, blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. I think some of the most receptive people to the gospel are the poor and the hurt and the wounded because they have no other hope in anything else. And if our judgment is to cast them aside because we're uncomfortable with some things, we're in trouble with a population that is most likely to say yes to Jesus. We have to be careful that our kingdom isn't just filled with people that we want to see. Verse 8. Sorry. Um, Verse 6 says but you have dishonored the poor man <clears throat> are you are not the rich the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name in by which you are called see they are di- they're they're discounting the ones that are most likely and honoring the ones who aren't honoring them because they were so poor and being persecuted, all someone who was rich, and you see this in our culture today too, all they had to do was take you to court. They knew that you couldn't afford a lawyer, they knew you couldn't do anything, they would rake you over the coals. Like later on we're going to see in James where he's crying out to those who were oppressing people that had worked their wage and not got paid. And these are the people, because of their clothes and because of their ring, that we're like, oh, sit right here. Let us, let us get you. You won't, don't worry about going out there to get coffee. I will bring it to you. What do you want? But the other, other one that has potential of seeing Jesus, exploring Jesus, and not that rich people cannot. It's just harder. Jesus said it himself. It's hard for a rich man to enter in the kingdom of God. Not impossible. Harder. So we have to be very cautious that we're not changing the way we view people. One thing that I try not to do, and this may even sound weird to you, I try never, I don't mess with that box, meaning the type box. I, I don't go through records. I would rather not know that, that you give a lot of money or that you give nothing to this church. Because I don't want my opinion of you changed because I'm like, oh, Bob, he gives a lot of money. I'm going to make sure that I shake hands with Bob every Sunday. I I don't know. So if you're giving a lot of money, you're like, why am I not getting attention? It's because I don't care. (laughs) I mean, I care because, like, I want to keep, you know, rent. And one day we want to build and I'm going to ask for more money from you. But, like, I don't want to know. I don't. Somebody else counts and things. I mean, I see deposits of big numbers, but I don't want to know, because I don't want my view of you to be changed. (laughs) Look at our popular culture right now. The ones that are blaspheming God, the ones that have literal demonic depictions of things in their music videos and on their performance. And they're literally calling, you know, on other deities and things. Super popular. You may follow them. You may listen to their music. And the shame of it is that if we saw them in public or they walked in here, you would have to withhold yourself. Maybe today would be the only day that you're like, I'm not going to go over there and say, hey, to them. But if I didn't say this today, you'd be like, can I meet you? Can you sign? Yeah. You want to sign my Bible? That's great. Can I get a selfie with you? And it's funny in our culture, this this fame, I honestly don't believe it's good for anybody to be famous, even pastors. I say this a lot. I don't think it's good for our soul. I don't think it's good for people. And if you look at the culture that we have right now with the stars and the elite athletes and stuff, Most of their lives don't end well. I mean, there's a few that because of character and other reasons, they make it. They're still married. They're still doing, you know, and they're good people. But for the majority of times, fame and popularity usually push you to the edge because you don't match the ideal that everybody has. Verse 8. If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scriptures, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You're doing well. The royal law, it was given by a king, Jesus. And it rules over all of the other laws. Because Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus let us know through the um story of the good samaritan that your neighbor is anyone you interact with because you're like okay I, i like my neighbors we're good but i don't like those people that i interact with at walmart or what other place that you run into them everyone is our neighbor and he will say this over and over again as it relates to this our loving other people if we truly do it, not do it to manipulate, not to get something from them, but just love people as ourselves, we're doing the law wholly. Romans 13:10, it says, Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. See, James is going to push this even further. Verse 10, it says, For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of it all. I don't know if you knew that. If you're, like, doing really good on A, B, and C but D, E, and F, you are not. We ignore D, E, and F, and we're like, look how good I am. Trouble. If we ignore those, we're in trouble. It says... <clears throat> Uh, In verse 11 it says, For he who says do not commit adultery also said do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but you murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. I love how James lumps showing partiality with murder and adultery. Because we're like, man, it's just like the way I look at somebody or the face that I make or how I don't go over and say hey to them. And he's like, murderer, adulterer, like, like those things. We're like, oh, yeah, we shouldn't do those things. And he's saying, oh, well, how about partiality? He's lumping them in. Uh, verse 12, it says, so speak. ooh, this is a big one. And so act as though who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For, the judgment, for judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy trumps over judgment. Think about this. And this is where we get into trouble. If our mind, at the forefront of every thought, the forefront of every action, the reality that I'm going to be judged by what I do or say or feel or think, because they lead to those other two things, if we knew that judgment is coming because of those things, we would change. I'm telling you, there's a lot of things that I would say to my children and my wife that if I had this on the forefront, I wouldn't say. And I probably the, the, the clearest place to see how well that you're doing in life spiritually is how is your interaction, not with people here, not with you know what you you see all these people serving you see me and you're like really ask my wife and my kids if i talk to your wife or your kids or people that live with you i'm going to get a better indication of how you're doing because it's easier to neglect those that are at the house it's easier to like you know let you know like let the pretending let the act down and just be a royal meanie pan at other words. I'm always thinking, like, is that word appropriate? So if I ever say something really funny like that, it's because I'm thinking, there's children in here. Um, <clears throat> and sometimes, you know, like, not that I ever say bad words in here, but like, some words are considered bad. Like, shut up in our house was like a curse word. That was, you never said that word. Um, and I just said it in here. Sorry, Lydia. But, you know, that's the reality. We, are we showing mercy? Because if we've not experienced real mercy from God, we won't give it now we'll give it to people, like I said, publicly, because we're worried about their judgment. We want them to think that we're good people, but at home, it's a whole different ball game. And that book like if you're just needing a good wham bam about that idea, I've got a great book on character that will <laughs> I'm only I'm halfway through it um, again, I read it last year. Um, but it's like it's a one-two punch over and over again. Oh, yeah. Oh, you think you're good? Good. We need that. Listen to this. Uh, It says, For judgment is without mercy to the one who who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. See, the parable of the unforgiving steward is what he's talking about, this idea, uh, Matthew 18, 23 through 35. I'm not going to read that, but... Uh, the gist of it is, is there's a person that owes the king a lot of money, a lot of money. And he comes to the king, the king passed judgment, I'm going to take not only you, but your wife and your kids, and they're going to be sold into slavery and go into jail until you've paid all this debt, but they would never pay off that debt, never. And he gets on his knees and he grovels before the king, and the king has mercy and forgives his debt. And sends him out, and he walks outside to a guy that owes him, I'm just going to throw out like 20 bucks. He's just been forgiven millions of dollars. And he goes outside, and this guy owes him 20, 50 dollars, and he grabs him by the neck, and he's choking him, "Pay me, you will pay me," or I'm going to throw you in jail." And he throws him in jail. Because he doesn't have money. The, the guy does the exact same thing. He gets on his knees and he grovels. And he's like, please have mercy on me. I will pay. I will pay. And he throws him to jail. You know what the king does? The king finds out that this person that he forgave. And he says, why would you not forgive the little when you've been forgiven the most? This, this is the gospel. If you've said yes to Jesus and you are his child, you have been forgiven much. And that needs to temper every interaction that you have when you go like, I don't want to give mercy to this person because they don't deserve it. Neither did you. Neither did you. If you aren't giving mercy, then you should ask yourself if you've ever really experienced it. So I'm going to invite our worship team up here, and I've got a few questions. Um. Get you to mull over as we go into worship. My first question to you is: This you like? Is there pieces of this where you're like, "Yeah, I do, I do do that." And there's not many in this room that are probably excluded from this, so you should almost say yes to this. And and to tamper this a little bit more is: Do you judge rightly? Are, Are there judgments that are coming out of your? Your mind, And remember, like we said last week with our bridling our tongue, which we're going to get into a little bit more as we go on, this is not just the words that you say to someone to their face. This is also what you type on the interweb. Like, what what does your judgments look like? I I was reading in this book uh, on character, and it said, you know, if someone followed you around and watched what you watched and interact or observed every one of your conversations, every one of your interactions, what would they say about your God? Does your actions, do your words, do what you're watching or not watching, does it communicate your belief, your high standard of who God is to you? And if it doesn't, then we need to do something about it. The ideal isn't here to go, yeah, yeah, man, i got a lot I need to fix. The ideal here is saying, I'm going to fix this. So do you live out this idea of faith over favoritism? And it's dangerous even with your own kids. I jokingly say to my children, I have three of them, this is my oldest, Lydia, um, that my favorite is whoever causes me the least of my headache. <laughs> right now it's my 14-year-old. Um, and, you know, so I tell them all they could be the favorite just like that. Like it's, I'm not, like she's not pigeonholed there just because she's my favorite. She's my favorite because right now, actually all of my kids are doing real good right now. and I say that as a joke. Um, but at some point, yeah, we get it. So, how's that working? How's it going? Like, we should use these times as we're hearing the word and being challenged. If things are coming and pricking our heart, we should be going, what, what should I do with this? And so what you should do with this, you should confess and repent what you do know. See, confessing and repenting isn't something you do when you get saved. It is something you do then, but it's not the only time that you do it. Confessing and repenting is something you will do as long as you draw breath, as long as you exist in the world, you will have to confess and, rep- rep- and repent. This is why we must get in the Word. This is why we must have the Word, like we talked about last week, be the mirror to our reality. And as we're hearing these things and we're like, man, I'm like, I know I'm judgmental and I'm working on it. But if, you're, if the most dangerous thing that you can do is go, ah, it's just the way I was raised from the south we just speak our mind no you don't get to come to jesus your lord and savior and say that's who i was and that's who i'm staying you come to jesus and you become a new creation you don't give him access to pieces that you want him to have access to you give him access to everything in the rest of your life with him he'll be exposing areas that you've hidden from yourself and from him and he'll say i want this and your duty as a child of God is to say, here it is. Here it is. See, reach. This church needs you to get this. Because there are going to be people that are going to come in this door that aren't going to be like you to begin with. There's some of you in this room that you wouldn't have liked you. then. Like, if the you that walked in right now, you'd be like, I don't like that guy. I don't like that. They're like, oh, look at that attitude. Look at the way they walked in. Look what they're wearing. I need us to go, by the grace of God, He's going to redeem and rebuild people that we would never expect Him to. But we, as a church, have to die to this. So what needs to happen for this to walk out? One of the things that I said, like, I am going to pray for us. I am going to pray that God will expose and free us. But every one of these things that we're going to talk about over the next few weeks, there should be an action plan that comes. And don't pick everything, because if you pick everything, you're like, oh, I need to work on this. But if you pick something that you're like, man, I need to work on this, then make a plan. Like, no one wakes up in the morning going, I'm going to get fit today. And does nothing. I'm going to think about getting fit today. You know how you get fit today is that you go and you do a workout or you come to F3. You know, If you're a guy, you can come to F3. Uh, it's in the morning. If you haven't heard about it, just come up and I'll tell you about it later. But if you want, it's the same thing. Why do we think any different for the spiritual disciplines that we want to see in our life? We have to do them. We have to make a plan. We have to put them on our calendar. And we have to get accountability. One of the reasons why I show up early mornings to do workouts is because other people are expecting me to be there. I hit this little button on this little app that we use. It says hard commit, which means you're going to show up. And if you don't show up, they mock and ridicule you. I need that. I need people that are going to be like, hey, you said you're going to stop doing this. And I saw you do it like we need that. You need to invite people into that. So if you feel it in you, confess and repent that when I say this every Sunday, we have a song at the end because I don't want you to run out of here and then go back into the world that's going to convince you that none of this really matters. I want you over the next two or three minutes to just say, God, where do I need to change? Show me. And then when he shows you. Make a plan and do something about it. Let's pray. Uh, Dearly Father, um, there are people in this room that would love a touch from you. They would love to be washed over with your Holy Spirit and this judgmental, critical spirit that has been on them for decades and years and maybe their whole lifetime. They would love for it to be washed away. And Lord, I pray that you would do that. I pray that you would do it for every single person in this room, that you would wash that away, that you would give us your eyes, that when we look at people that are hurting and broken and different from us, we wouldn't see who we think they are. We would see the potential of what they can be in you. And so, Lord, for that to happen, we need you. And Lord, I pray for those people in this room that are going to be diligent enough with the things that they see, that they need to work on, that they'll begin to do something. And I pray in Jesus' name that there would be a fruitfulness, there would be a harvest of righteousness that comes out of that reality. Lord, I pray that you would show us when we make steps in your directions, when our heart begins to act like yours, that you would show us over and over again how good it feels to walk as you walk, to live as you live. And so, Lord, as we confront our inconsistencies, show us the hope that comes when we rely on you. Lord, you are trustworthy. You are are worth our continual surrendered submission to your lordship. So, Lord, maybe there's even areas of our life that weren't talked about today, but we feel the Holy Spirit knocking on our door. Lord, I pray that you would do in us what we cannot do for ourselves. And, Lord, if there's people in this room, there's a person in this room that's like, man... I've played around with Christianity. My life does not reflect what I say I believe, and I want it to. Lord, I pray that today they would be honest enough to say, God, I need your help. I've been trying to live to an ideal without you, and it doesn't work that way. So, Lord, I need your spirit. So, Lord, help us be the, the people, the men and women that you've called us to be, by your grace, by your power. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today on the Reach Community Church podcast. We'd love to have you join us next Sunday. You can learn more about our mission at reachcommunitychurch.com.